the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Greetings, I'm Paul Spain, and welcome along to this episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Now, as uh, as in the last episode, we're talking again about CES, the world's biggest tech conference. Uh, it's held each year in Las Vegas in early January. Now, this episode, we compiled together uh, some of the most interesting interviews and discussions that I had uh, both at private uh, press events and on the show floor at CES. Now, first up, uh, one of the, if not the most exciting thing of CES, uh, the Mercedes F015 concept vehicle, absolutely incredible futuristic technology showcase and a sign of just how important vehicles have become to CES and how important CES has become to the automobile manufacturers. Right, let's jump in and hear about the uh, the new concept from Mercedes. Okay, so right now we're, we're looking at the new concept vehicle from Mercedes-Benz, and now I'm with... I'm Paolo Malabuio, and I lead the advanced user experience design team for Mercedes-Benz based out of the Silicon Valley. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Now, this is a pretty exciting uh, day for you, I guess, showing off this uh, new vehicle that, you, that quite a lot of time, I no doubt, has gone into in terms of research and development before uh, the unveiling to the public here at CES. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that was mentioned yesterday was we've been working on autonomous driving technology for about 30 years, but this particular project actually uh, got into full swing about two years ago. So there are a lot of people here are quite happy to actually see it come on the stage and actually perform the way it was meant to. Well, that's pr- pretty fast moving for the automotive industry, isn't it? Well, you know, where it takes years and years often for uh, yeah for vehicles certainly to get to get to market. Uh, you know, but even for a concept vehicle like this, it, it seems like a fairly short uh, short time period. I think if you think about from a concept vehicle, it's probably don't quote me on this, but you know, a fair amount of time. But in this case, we probably haven't ever delivered a concept vehicle or research vehicle of this complexity. Right? It is a fully functioning uh, research vehicle um, that is a completely new, completely new design language from the inside and out, as well as introducing a new way to actually have this space that goes along with you, and it's supposed to be self-driving. That's a lot to pack into two years. Um, it's impossible to deliver that production ready, but it's definitely ready to drive around, and it drove around on the strip last night. Looking at the technology that's there, and I mean, visually, this is this is stunning. It's a it's an incredible vehicle, and we and we do expect that from concept vehicles. But what's different here, as well as that, are all of the uh, the technological elements. Some of those built in uh, visually, and we've got some of those external cues and communications that that come into play with yeah you know, pedestrians that are maybe wondering whether they can walk in front of the vehicle or not, and so on. Um, maybe you can just talk us through what are really the the highlights technologically, and tell us. What's unique in terms of those uh, self-drive type capabilities from uh, yeah what we've seen and heard about in the past? Sure. I think um, the autonomous driving things we've actually done to a decent degree over the past couple of years. Right? We did this Berta Benz drive a couple of years ago. So you can imagine that we were continuing to work on that. So I'll probably highlight things that aren't really directly related to autonomous driving because there are a whole bunch of opportunities that it opens up when you no longer need to drive. So let's start with from the outside, like you mentioned. Uh, we've got these big LED grill on the front and the back, and it's not just for lights. We use it to communicate to people on the outside. You know, uh, it's a great opportunity for us to design for trust. 
you and I as humans, you know, if we're driving around or if you're driving and I'm a pedestrian, I only feel safe when I can make eye contact with you that you're not going to hit me when I'm trying to cross the road. When there's no one to make eye contact with, okay, so those are opportunities for us to design, and we thought that the grill is one great way to do it, right? It's clear to see, and so we've created some languages to say we're autonomous driving as well as, yes, I see you, and then there's audio cues, and then at night we can also, um, using laser projector, to actually draw a crosswalk for you. A lot of really good hints to keep you safe and you know that the, comp- that the car can see you. So tell me a little, a little bit about that. I mean, you're talking about visual cues and audio cues. What would that actually mean? For me as a pedestrian, right now I'm, in fr- I'm standing right in front of the vehicle. There is no cue that it's moving or, or, or doing anything. But if we were on the street, I would probably want, want to know. So what sort of cues could the vehicle give me to give me some confidence that I can walk in front of it or, or otherwise? Sure. I mean, right now you're pretty much just seeing it sitting in the middle of the floor. So if, if all the systems are actually up and running for that, um, you might actually see um, these waves that look like it's emanating from the car, and it actually will, based on the shape, it'll, it, you can see very clearly, oh, it senses that I'm here. If you're directly in front of it, for example, and you start, you know, whether you're in the corner and you start walking, you'll see this blue light on the grill actually start to follow your movement. So you can see it's responding to you very directly. And then obviously when the laser light goes from always oh, sends you to crosswalk, it's a very clear indication that now you can walk and then it says, please go ahead. Right, so you, it's actually talking to you at that stage. Exactly. I mean, we don't only use one mode of communication uh, as people, so there's no reason why we need to make, you know, keep ourselves to a single mode of communication as a car. Right. Now, I'm interested in the sort of technology that's inside the vehicle. Firstly, this is, this is a, a premium vehicle. We expect it to have a, a bit of power. We're talking about an electric vehicle here. This is hydrogen powered. Uh, tell us a little bit more ab- about that. Sure. Um, so this is a fully electric vehicle. Uh, right now it has two electric engines, 136 horsepower each. It's rear-wheel drive. It's not all-wheel drive. Um, and the concept is electric and fuel cell, like you said, for a tremendous range. I think about 1,100 kilometers uh, fully with a, with a fully functioning uh, hydrogen system. Um, so it is autonomous. It's self-driving. Uh, and it's fully electric. So it's really this, that vision of the future. And by, go, by not requiring a combustion engine, it opens up the architecture completely, right? Like you, you kind of alluded to the shape. It doesn't look like a car that you can find today, right? So we've designed it around the ability of changing that relationship we have. When it goes in fully autonomous, the front uh, seats can rotate, can pivot. So now you have four seats facing each other. So we've created this lounge, and to create, to wrap that lounge inside this beautiful, beautiful shell that really exudes luxury, because that's who we are. Like, we're the company that really tries to deliver modern luxury. And you end up with the shape, and because it's electric, you can, you have the opportunity to move things around to that degree. Right, so looking inside, we step inside the uh, the vehicle and sit down, pretty comfortable experience. As you say, the seats can, can uh, swivel around, so if there were a group of three or four people in there, we can be facing each other. What are the other pieces of technology that we're going to you know, see sitting inside the, the vehicle? What sort of screens and, and so on exist? So if you're on the front, the front two seats, and let's say you're facing forward, uh, you're looking at a fully digital dashboard. And the dashboard has multiple cameras and sensors so that we can do gaze detection and facial detection. So we actually can tell what 
control on the dashboard you're looking at. So that's how you can target. And then you can use gesture to actually be able to control whatever it is, right? Change my temperature, actually speed up or et cetera. So that's one of the really cool things you got. You're not pressing any buttons or anything. When you are, whether you're in the back seat or you're in the front seats and you're playing with the side screens, so each door has one large touchscreen. And we built systems where everyone has a screen that they can play with themselves, and we've got delivered a whole bunch of different ideas uh, where you can either explore the world around you, points of interest as you're driving by, or you can actually simulate or feel like you're somewhere else. It's almost like you're wrapped in this 360-degree display where, okay, now I may be in my regular commute, but I want to look like I'm driving through like a beautiful landscape. Now... In terms of looking back at the autonomous uh, driving uh, capabilities, because obviously you're not going to be swiveling your, your chair around and facing in the other direction unless you can really trust those. How important are new changes in terms of vehicle-to-vehicle communications, infrastructure that can communicate to the vehicle, and, and so on? Some of those new things that maybe don't generally exist today. Uh, do you think those are a necessity for self-drive vehicles, or are those just things that are going to uh, you know, bump up the safety factors? I think it's probably more the latter. They completely bump it up. I think we're still experimenting with whether or not we can create completely um, self-sufficient ones. So I think the vision uh, is you want something that is fully dependable, right? Um, so in the case of even if you uh, end up losing connectivity, you have that problem today with your cell phone, right? You still, in terms of a car, you still want it to work. Right, so obviously, you know, we need to be, once we actually deliver something uh, in the market, we want to make sure that safety is never compromised. And we're always pushing connectivity. We want to make sure that car to car, car to X, and all that is actually working. And we know that once you have full connectivity, everything just gets better. Now, the fact that this is a fully working vehicle sort of says that you know a, a, a large degree of what we're seeing here now, you know, is complete. This could be on the market. Uh, within a reasonably short sort of space of time if you decided to, to go down that track, if it was going to be practical from you know financial perspective, etc. But looking at it from a realistic perspective, the sort of the key elements here, when do we, when do we expect those sort of new innovations to, uh, to arrive in the market? What's, your, I guess, your personal pick? Um, honestly, uh, we, we, well, one, we've talked about this concept as something that we think uh, can actually come to fruition around 2030-ish, right? So we're talking about 15 years in the future. However, it's hard to say which ones are going to be here in the next couple of years versus which ones are further out. Because um, like, if you take a look at autonomous driving, we've got semi-autonomous features to li- that you can actually get in cars today, right? We, can, we don't have to say in the future, you can have that now. So you can probably see it's not going to be this black and white uh, transition, you're going to have this gradual integration of these new technologies where you'll start to see these roll out more and more. Um, just like all our research vehicles, they're platforms for us to explore as well as see, okay, there are technologies and design cues that we can use to inspire production vehicles. I would be. I don't. I don't think we'd say you're going to see a car that looks exactly like this and functions exactly like this on the market. However, you're going to start to see cars that will start. That maybe in a few years you'll go. Oh, I remember when they talked about that. I remember when they introduced that. So you can see that red thread connecting the experiences that we are talking about today as a concept versus the cars that we're going to deliver in the future. Now, this has come out of your research and development center 
in the Silicon Valley. This seems to be a, a, a trend that's been developing within the automotive industry. Mercedes-Benz, Damon, you're based in, uh, in Germany, um, but really the, the, uh, the R&D has been done here in the U.S. Tell us a little bit about that story and why that's happening. To clarify that a little bit, it really is a worldwide effort. We do have an R&D center in Silicon Valley, and you've got designers and engineers working very closely um, on the digital experiences. However, you can say the mechanical and the autonomous driving stuff, okay, those engineering teams are mostly in Germany. The exterior design team that worked on this was in Germany. The interior design team that worked on this is in Italy. So it is a global effort, right? We've got a global R&D, uh, a global R&D presence, and this is a great example of all of those people doing what they do best, working together on it. So I, as much as I'd love to say those of us in Silicon Valley uh, made this happen, there's no way that we could deliver something like this uh, without everyone actually pulling their weight. But how, how important is it for you to be there in, in the Valley, which is known a, as a place for startups and for uh, innovations, but as an established firm, you know, the most established firm, I guess, in, in the automotive industry, to be there amongst those startups and with the, with the, with the minds that exist, you know, such as yours in the area? Sure. That goes back to the idea of what are the things that we can do best. And Silicon Valley, you're right. We're known for that kind of um, breakthrough innovations that you know, have changed each of our lives and one of the reasons why we're talking today. Software, digital experiences, that's our core competency. And a lot of those that you see in this car today came from those teams. Um, exterior design, interior design, we've got competency centers. They do that. So we focus on high-tech, digital experiences, software, and the integration of all that together. We've got an autonomous driving team that's also in Silicon Valley. Um, but it takes a lot of people to make this, that, this stuff happen. So we're not trying to do everything in Silicon Valley. We're trying to focus on our strengths. That's great. Well, thank you very much for your time, Paolo. Thank you. Glad to be here. Next up, it's time to hear about what we are told is the world's first NFC or near-field communication-controlled smart lock. Okay, we're here looking at the EG Touch. This is a new smart lock for luggage, uh, luggage lock, and there's also an independent lock as well. And I'm here with... Uh, my name is Buri. I'm from DigiPass, and uh, I am the uh, press representative and marketing for the EG Touch product, the smart luggage lock and the padlock. Right, so um, tell us, how, how do they work? Do you need a battery? What, how do you control these things to, uh, to un- unlock your luggage without having to remember code or without having to uh, carry a key with you? Right, so this lock is uh, driven by NFC. So what it has is that you, you can open it with a, a, a tag, NFC tag, or a smartphone, NFC-driven smartphone. So what you do is that, it's, of course, it's battery operated. So you you wake the uh, lock and then you tap the tag on the sensor and you will own by itself. Okay, so do you have to repl- uh, replace a battery in the uh, in the lock from time to time? Uh, yes, the battery itself uh, can run for about twenty to thirty thousand cycles, and in a typical use, that would be probably more than three years. And uh, when the battery is low, you have indicators, and then when the battery is low, you can easily replace it. Okay, that's good. And uh, so this is going to be sold with luggage, I believe. So there'll be uh, um, yeah, suitcase manufacturers and so on that'll be including this. What sort of price do you expect this is going to add on to the cost of, uh, of luggage? All right, so uh, we specialize in manufacturing the locks and we are working with luggage manufacturers. And to luggage manufacturers, we are selling them cheap at about $30, 30 US dollars. We're hoping that 
they don't raise up the margin too much and we can benefit more people, uh, more consumers. Right. And what about the padlock uh, version? The padlock version, we, get, we are selling direct to consumers at about 70 to 80 US dollars. Okay, that's good. And that will have a, as a similar uh, battery life? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, that's great. Thank you for your time. Thank you. So we're here at CES and uh, have a great opportunity to meet with uh, one of New Zealand's most innovative tech firms at the moment, uh, which is Performance Lab. Uh, I'm here with Wayne Dartnell, who's the CEO, uh, Kerry McMaster, co-founder and chief strategy officer, and John Ackland, co-founder and chief product officer. Uh, now, first question, oh, and I must I must disclose, Performance Lab is a uh, is a customer of uh, my firm, Gorilla Technology. Uh, so you're obviously you got got some good runs on the board there. Very smart uh, from that perspective. But Kerry, maybe you can tell us a little bit of what Performance Lab is uh, all about. Sure. Um, so simply, we're a company that takes censored uh, data, exercise and activity data. We contextualise the data and turn it into timely, relevant um, advice for um, coaching people who are active. Great. So um, what sort of products are we likely to see your technology sort of turning up in? Have you, uh, you, know, have you got any, uh, any clients that are, uh, that are underway? I think you've got some, some announcement here at CES. No, we do. Um, we have a number of customers, actually, but we're very pleased to be able to announce uh, publicly our, um, our first customer, iFit, um, who are world leaders in indoor technology particularly, but they have a suite of products that um, you'll find our ADA technology contained within um, that help their customers uh, train and and stay with their uh, their training programs. Right. So, I mean, I guess when we, we look at ADA, it's, um, it's something that really takes the, the wearables and the fitness, uh, you know, technologies that exists today and sort of takes it to that next level where you're not just getting numbers and, and stats um, but it actually gets in there and, and sort of becomes a personal coach of sorts is that is that a good way of uh, describing it? That's exactly what we are and what we do um, I think for anyone who understands what uh, sensors are currently and devices are currently available in market um, they'll know that um, they, they're kind of cool. They give you all sorts of numbers. They'll tell you how much you've slept or how little you've slept, how fast you've moved or how little you've moved. Um, but what's missing in that equation is what does that actually mean? So my heart rate is high or my heart rate is low. I've done 3,000 steps. I've done 5,000 steps. What, what does any of that mean and how is it relevant for you personally? So um, that's where our technology um, uh, comes to the fore. It looks very specifically at what you might be trying to achieve as an individual. It takes all of that data um, and uh, turns it into uh, what do you need to know right now to make a difference to what you're trying to achieve. 
That sounds pretty cool. But uh, in order to do this, you've got to have some some fairly good uh, you know knowledge in this space. Um, John, can you maybe share a little bit of the the background of uh, Performance Lab or, or uh, PL Tech, as you also been known, um, and and some of the uh, the people that you've worked with uh, you know over the years. So, so yeah, so I've been very lucky in that I've worked with uh, all kinds of uh, uh, athletes and you know you know people that are just starting out as well. So you know it, it's it's sort of fairly broad spectrum, but you know sort of I guess the names are people like uh, the triathlete Terenzo Bazzoni, uh Team New Zealand in, in the uh, the yachting uh, syndicate, also in the past uh, uh, worked with some of the uh, you know the All Blacks and guys lucky enough to work for Jim Blair at the Institute of Sport. So yeah, so work with a wide range, and uh, and we've had this sort of dream of having a virtual coaching system for probably twenty years, uh, and we're lucky to be in New Zealand because it's a remote location. We're dealing with people all around the world, so you have to you have to kind of I guess get the numbers from these people from all the sort of the sensor data that they're collecting on their heart rate monitors, etc., and you've got to do something with it. So, um, yeah, we've been quietly working on this for quite a long time, and it's only recently that we've found that the technology's got to a point where we can actually start to do what we're doing, and with this, uh, what they're calling the wearable explosion, um, yeah, it's a real big opportunity for us. Now, that's exciting, um, but it's, it's a challenge funding these things often out of New Zealand. How have you gone about... Uh, yeah, doing doing that. Uh, well, I'm probably not the best person to ask, but um, you know, uh, we've you know done it like any startup. We've uh, we've gone right to the wire ourselves, and then we've been very lucky to uh, have some investment, which um, I think Wayne's probably better to talk talk about. Yeah, and look, I think it's it's been a, a good example of yeah just how a, a startup does work, and particularly a Kiwi company that it's driven by you know a, a vision and passion, and, and and throw everything in, you know, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, and and and, and the kids and, and the whole works. Um, but you know, you, they've, John and Kerry have done a fantastic job of taking that idea and turning it into you know, something that's real, and that's that's meant that we've been able to go out on the market and talk to you know, some some major players, and and for us it was a deliberate thing to look offshore, you know, look at the North American market and we've been very fortunate that we've been able to get Intel on board to actually fund our company and to us that's, that's huge because it's a great validation of our technology but more importantly it's a huge brand that's got um, you know, enormous credibility and um, you know, it just inspires confidence in the technology space you know, the fact that, that Intel sees what we're doing and sees it as something that is highly relevant and pertinent and, and um, yeah, has, has some long term value is exciting for us and it's really helped. That's great and now about being at CES here, I don't tend to see a lot of New Zealand companies that are, uh, you know, that attend uh, CES. Um, but Performance Lab is here. But tell me why you come here, and you know how important you think, uh, you know, CES is a- as an event. CES is, is critical to, to a company like us at the stage we're at. Now, there's no question that CES is, is unique in, in terms of the number of people it attracts and the number of organisations it attracts, not only from North America itself, but from all over the globe. And, and for us, we've got every single one of our existing customers and every single one of our potential customers is here. And more importantly, the decision makers are here, the product managers are here, the marketing people are here. So all the people that, that are involved in making these decisions are now in one place. And that means for us that we have that unique opportunity to to invite them in, you know, uh, as we have to actually see our technology, to actually have some deep and meaningful discussions about how we can engage and, and move forward. Um, yeah, in some ways, uh, you yeah, know, it's something that 
all New Zealand companies need to do. Uh, you know, we, we are uh, a country that has a very small domestic market ourselves. We're a country that if we want to succeed, we've, we've got to go global. We're an export-orientated um, uh, economy. And uh, we've got to take these opportunities to put ourselves in front of the customers you know, when we can. And that's what CES gives us. That's great. Well, thank you very much for your time. Next, we hear from Synaptics, the company that's uh, behind trackpads in laptops and also the providers of the fingerprint sensors in Samsung's phone. And we hear about what might be, uh, what might be planned for the Samsung Galaxy S6. We're here at Synaptics and just taking a look at what's new from, uh, from the company that's behind a lot of the trackpads in our laptops today. Right now I'm with... Neve Conlin from Synaptics. Thank you for joining me. Now Synaptics, you, we, we've sort of known your brand from uh, making the trackpads that are on a lot of laptops. I think you also make the fingerprint sensor that's in the, um, the latest devices from uh, Samsung's in terms of the Galaxy S5, etc. Um, now I understand you've got some new sensor technology that uh, is available for new laptops in terms of a new trackpad that can do fingerprint sensing at the same time? Right. So Synaptics has been doing touchpads for many years, and we have you know most of the market share. And we uh, acquired a company called Validity, which did the whole fingerprint sensing, and we decided to meld them together with SecurePad, which basically is a regular trackpad or a touchpad. And in the top left-hand corner, there is an area sensor, and it actually reads your fingerprint. So instead of having to uh, go to the right side of your laptop, find the sensor, and swipe, you can now just put your finger on on the touchpad and it will read uh, you know to log yourself into the computer it will give you a, you know an LED feedback that sort of thing okay so no more swiping it just uh, does it read the fingerprint like on the like on the iPhone exactly it's just like the iPhone it's a little bit more intuitive instead of lining your finger up and swiping it just placing it in the spot and it will read it how secure is this? Because we've, you know, we we know that these sensors have sort of been bypassed in the past. Uh, is that likely to be? You like to have similar challenges that we've we've seen in the past in these regards? Um, there are will always be some sort of you know technology that can be faked or hacked. Um, but ours is actually pretty good. It's a capacitive sensor, and we actually like the ridges on your your finger. Um, they they can, but we have, uh, we're part of the FIDO Alliance, and now when we're doing secure transactions and that sort of thing, those are now protected by FIDO. So the important things we're trying to protect more. Okay, that's great. Well, thank you for your time. All right, thank you. And next up, it's time to hear about a wearable for the smaller people that walk amongst us. So we're here looking at a new uh, wearable product called the Hero, which is H-E-R-E-O. I'm talking with uh, Daniel Avesha. Is that how I pronounce your name? Avesha. Now, uh, tell me a little bit about this product. Now, this is is aimed at youngsters to wear, uh, for your children to wear. Tell us a little bit more. Exactly. It's aimed for kids about 2 to 12 um, we all parents at the company for kids at this age and we try to create a watch that first of all would be extremely comfortable and size wise will be adequate for the children and th- this alone took us three and a half years and then we, we had to create a service that's adequate for modern day parents and not just a the generic tracker device and that's what we did so you have the hero watch and the hero app the app has four modes uh, you have the standby mode 
which you can check in, uh, check in and see where the kids are. You have the daily routine mode, which informs you throughout the day of your kid's location. Then you have the outdoor mode. It, it's some sort of a wireless leash. You can uh, create a parameter around the parent at the park. And if the kid goes uh, wandering off, you get the message. And then you have the loss mode. If, God forbid, you lose the kid, you enable a much faster tracking method. It does drain the battery, but when we lose our kids, we care much less about our battery life. Right, so you're talking about a, a device that's got, obviously got a GPS uh, built into it, or is it using a uh, mobile network to get the uh, location? There is a GPS, uh, mobile connectivity, GPRS, and Wi-Fi in order to triangulate and get the most accurate location, and the same connectivity in order to tra- transmit the location to us. And what countries does it, uh, does it work in? Does it, I guess, can you put your own SIM card in there, or does it come with an embedded uh, SIM? It comes with an embedded SIM. It works in over 120 countries with a flat rate without roaming. So there's obviously an initial purchase price and then ongoing. Tell us what those costs are. It's about 179 US dollars, the purchasing cost. That includes three months of subscription. Thereafter, it will be for about 490 a month. That's great. And is New Zealand and Australia and in, in the countries that are included? Yes, we actually had about 200 watches pre-ordered from Australia. That's great. Thank you. And now let's hear what's new from Swiss company Vigilant. So we're here at the Vigilant stand, and right now I'm with... Richard Binier. Now, Richard, first up, I'm interested in your diabetes uh, smart tracker, the B. Tell us about this. Uh, B is an award uh, winning this year of the CES Innovation Award. It's a Bluetooth smart tracker. It's helping diabetic uh, patients to um, uh, track how many insulin injections they uh, inject during the day on their insulin pens. It works with all the pens that are sold in the market, and uh, it's available for $69. Uh, and it's the first time that uh, for diabetes care, there is an easy way to track insulin injections in your logbook on your phone. It works with uh, iPhone and uh, Google phones, right? Okay, that's great. And then you've also got something called the LilyPad, a smart Wi-Fi pool thermometer and UV sensor. Tell us about that. So this one is also a award winner of this CES to this time in 2015. It's a floating device, which is Wi-Fi. Uh, you put it on your pool, and uh, you connect it to your Wi-Fi in your home, and it's going to send to your phone the UV index, instant UV index in your pool. And on top of that, depending on your skin color, it's going to give you advice on which sunscreen you should put on your children when they go to the pool or on yourself when you go to protect yourself from the sun. This is typically a product to avoid to protect people and to give them more information about protecting themselves from the sun and to avoid a disease like skin cancer and so on, like preventing from these kind of diseases. Okay, and what sort of price point are we talking about? So B for diabetes, it's $69 US and uh, LilyPad is $99 US also. I'd like to talk to you about our main product, the one we sell a lot, which is a oral care product. It's the first smart Bluetooth toothbrush. It has a gyroscope inside, and it's measuring each movement that the kid is doing during their brushing. 
it's sending the data through Bluetooth to the phone, and the phone is telling them live whether they are doing a good job or not. This is helping them and teaching them at early age how to brush their teeth through a game. It incentivizes them to brush them regularly and with a good quality. And after using this toothbrush, which is $39 US today on the market, kids really enjoy brushing their teeth and they know how to brush their teeth with a good dentist technique for the rest of their, their life. Oh, that's very good. So uh, 40 US dollars. And uh, what's, what's the name of the product and where is it available from? So we have two models of Rainbow. Rainbow is a smart toothbrush, Bluetooth. Rainbow Kids is for less than seven-year-old. It's a manual toothbrush. Rainbow Junior is $49 and it's a sonic toothbrush. So it's going to be electric. You're charging with a USB. For two weeks, it's charged. It's very easy to use. And it has six speed. The first speed being for children a light massage on their new teeth uh, and the speed number six is not the adult speed it's still lower so that it's really done for children until the age let's say 14 15 for juniors right okay that's great and are these available through amazon or where would people uh, find the product well, Amazon, uh, on the website, on our website, we actually ship to New Zealand anytime. So uh, we are, we're available on the web. You can find us pretty easily. You just have to type Vigilant, Rainbow. The names of our products are pretty well on SEO. B in Diabetes, Smart Diabetes Tracker, you find us anywhere. That's great. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you, Richard. And now we hear from a company whose technology may well be of interest to the rugby community in New Zealand. I'm here looking at uh, some new technology, some wearable technology from Black Box Biometrics. And right now I'm with... Jessica Sikaliber. Now, uh, Jessica, tell me a little bit about what you've got here, uh, the, the Lynx product that you're showing off today uh, at CES Unveiled. Yeah, so the Lynx Impact Assessment System is a piece of wearable technology that's worn on the head in a skull cap or a headband, and it um, measures impacts um, sustained during contact sports. So what sort of sports would this be suitable for rugby, for instance? Rugby, football, soccer, lacrosse, hockey, really any sport or activity where an impact to, could happen. And then what happens with that information that's being uh, you know, captured by the wearable? So um, the data is transmitted to a mobile device via Bluetooth technology that provides the coach, parent, athletic trainer, or any end user with um, instant um feedback on hit severity as well as number of hits and even details such as impact location. Okay, that's really, that's really interesting. And does that happen um, you know, while, uh, while the sport's being played or is this something that then is analyzed after the game? So proprietary algorithms within the device instantly transmit the data. So within milliseconds of an impact, um, the data is transmitted to the application so the end user gets real-time feedback. Okay, that's really interesting. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. If you or someone you know suffers with back pain, then you might find this next technology of interest. Sorry. Uh, so we're here looking at a new product called uh, Valido uh, from a company called Hakuma. Um, I'm here with... Frank Mensler. I'm the Executive Vice President of Hakuma in the United States. 
Now, Frank, can you t- tell us a little bit about the uh, Valido uh, product that you're showing off here at uh, CES Unveiled? Yes, my pleasure. Valido is the first digital personal back coach. Uh, it consists of two sensors which you put on your body, one in the front, one on the lower back. It's designed to redevelop your deep muscles to prevent and inc- make your lower back better. It communicates via Bluetooth with an app on your iPad. That app is a game. And in that game, there are 45 different exercises. These exercises are the same exercises you would do with your physical therapist if you would go there for low back pain. So we are not promoting anything new. It's the same exercise you would do anyway. We just promote it in a fun-like environment that you do it unsupervised at home. So the system not only rewards in a fun-like environment the, uh, the right movements, but also since the back trainer gives you the feedback if you do these movements incorrect. Because we don't want you to compensate and do the wrong movements over a long period period of time at home because you don't know better the system gives you an immediate feedback uh, how that is right so that that's the key benefit over if you were just doing them yourself without any sensors uh, you have to wear the sensors uh, otherwise the system wouldn't track it it's an uh, fda listed medical device there's a full reporting function as well that you see yourself how you improve over time how your range of motion improves and also you can regenerate with a push of a button a pdf report which you can email to your physiotherapist or also to the health insurance at once if they uh, pick it up and then also they want to see of course some compliance the important thing is that you get active it's like going to the gym and here we provide you with something which you do whenever wherever 10 minutes at lunch break or 20 minutes in the evening at home to work on a healthy back. And what sort of price point are we talking about here, Frank? It's available in the eShop Valedotherapy.com for $359 in the US. It's a one-time investment. The software is an app which is available free of charge. We also will come up with new exercises that will be pushed to your app free of charge as well. Okay, and you're available right now? We are available in the US right now. Uh, Again, Valedotherapy.com. If you like gadgets or tech that's small and affordable, then the Ozobot might be something of interest. We're looking at the uh, Ozobot, and I'm with... Tara. Now, can you tell us what is this mini little robot all about? I mean, these are quite small, aren't they? What do they weigh? Yes. Oh, oh, I couldn't even tell you how much they weigh. They're so tiny and small, but it is the world's smallest programmable robot. They're like a big marble in terms of size, aren't they? Yes, they are. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and they also help teach children how to program and code. And you can use them on paper or you can use them on a tablet. So what we've got here is you've got a bunch of them running around on uh, tablet screens and also on on paper. Um, they're following the varying coloured lines that have either been drawn on the screens or are drawn on the paper. Tell us what this is all about. So Ozobot uh, has a unique color language that it recognizes, and those color codes and sequences will tell it to speed up, slow down, uh, do a spin, and it helps children learn basics for programming and coding. So um, if it runs over a red line, it'll turn red. Uh, If it runs over a blue line, it'll turn blue. Um, Yeah. That's cool. So you've basically got a, a little um, scanning sort of sensor in the, in the base and then um, some sort of little rollers to keep it moving around in the right direction and obeying the commands that are uh, on the paper or, or on the tablet. Mm-hmm. And it's great because kids can make their own games and draw their own mazes and tracks and have races with them. So it really lets kids use their imagination and have fun while also 
using it educationally. Yeah, they look like a little bit of fun and uh, little USB chargers. What sort of price uh, are these uh, units? Retail price is forty nine ninety nine for one. We also sell a dual pack at ninety nine ninety nine. And what's the next generation sort of coming with this product? Um, we have Ozobot Bit that's going to be released in June, and that is kind of a step up to Ozobot. It will be able to um, use the Blockly Google's Blockly. Um, editor, and you'll be able to code and drag and drop different codes into the interface and then load that um, code into Ozobot, and then we'll execute all those commands. Okay, oh, that sounds like a bit of fun. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you. Now, many of us like to keep the latest technologies in our car, but we can't always afford to be replacing our car every day. So, this piece of technology might be of interest. We're looking at the R&B6, which is a new audio head unit for in-car. Nicholas, tell us a little bit about this. Hello, I'm Adolf Marketing for Parrot. Uh, and here at TS, we are introducing a new car enforcement system. It's a tuned-in product that combines both the Apple and Google World, meaning that uh, you can connect your iPhone via CarPlay, use Siri, uh, connected uh, via USB with a made for iPhone. And you can also use a Samsung Galaxy, let's say, uh, for uh, Android. And you get the Android Auto compatibility with all your apps directly uh, on the screen uh, of the product. So it's really a new way to, to get connected in the car uh, very safe because everything is on free. You, you've got the voice controlled, access to the apps. Uh, and you have access also to the car system, to car diagnostics. So, so tell us about that. What, what information is it able to gather from the vehicle itself? Well, it's connected to the CAN and OBD, so it can gather uh, information about your tire. Uh, uh, it can collect information about your climate control, air conditioning, uh, and it can even connect to your uh, steering wheel. So you can have steering commands to launch an app, for example. Okay, so depending on the type of vehicle, obviously depends on, on what information it gets. And can you uh, go ahead and control things like the, the air conditioning and so on also? Yeah, definitely. So you could use your voice to do that, and you can connect your smartphone in 40, so you can access uh, music like Spotify, uh, streaming uh, on, the, on the world. And it also comes with a dash cam. A dash cam allows you to record in one angle in full HD uh, 1080p. So it's really a complete system that uh, hopefully we will launch uh, in the market this year for a reasonable price. Right. So you don't have any indication on price yet? Uh, not yet, but uh, we want to be competitive in that respect. And that's why we chose a lot of components that are really coming from the smartphone ecosystem and we're running on, on Android OS uh, 5.0. Okay. And the, um, the screen, that looks like a pretty large touch screen. What size is that? It's a 7-inch uh, 2D touch screen. Okay, yep, and it's a double-din unit. It look, looks, looks very good. We'll look forward to seeing more uh, of that later on the year when it's launched. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, that's it, folks. Thank you very much for listening in to this episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain signing out. You can track me down on social media, at Paul Spain on Twitter, uh, also across Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn. Uh, and be sure to check out our new website with the Best of New Zealand podcast. It's just coming together now. It's just launched. It's podcasts.nz. Uh, you can also go to podcast.co.nz if you're used to typing in a longer domain name. All right. Thanks, everyone. See ya. 
the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business.